0: Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Oh, here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who didn't wait 10 days to address a train derailment that caused a massive chemical explosion. Your transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, finally breaking his silence on a disaster that could contaminate the drinking water of 30 million people. That's pitiful.
2: I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to perform like that.
1: Pitiful. Really is, and even his own party is calling him out. Members of the squad not buying. What Mayor Pete is selling, we're gonna get into it along with some new numbers that show inflation going up just as the spy balloons start coming down. It's not good, uh, but we're going to chop it up. We're going to have a big boy, big girl, big they, big them discussion at 888 9910. You know the rules on this show. We don't care who you vote for. We don't care what you support, what you're in love with, what you believe. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Big day on the show. Roseanne Barr is the first guest on today's show. <laughs> People are excited about it. Her new special, Cancel This, now streaming on Fox Nation. She is going to stop by at the top of the next hour and uh, have a little one-on-one with your radio buddy. Uh, We're also going to be hanging with the great Tim Scott from South Carolina. And we will also get a stop by from Brian Brenberg from the Fox Business Network.
0: Hey! That was the worst thing I ever heard. Oh,
1: come on. I was just giving Brenberg some heat because he's probably listening in his office right now. They're about to go on the air. Uh, his new show is, of course, called The Big Money Show. Uh, I made an appearance on it yesterday during a commercial break. And if you missed it, it is now on the Fox Across America Facebook page. You can go there and watch it. And you'll also see some clips from last night's Gutfeld with myself and Greg Gutfeld. And, of course, this morning I was batting leadoff on Fox & Friends, one-on-one with Katie Pavlich. And uh, we had a chat that is also on that Fox Across America Facebook page. But, of course, the big TV appearance was the one that took place yesterday where your transportation secretary went out. Ten full days after this train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, which could very well pollute the Ohio River, which at a minimum would deny 30 million people clean drinking water. And did Pete Buttigieg even mention the train situation during his press conference initially? The answer would be no. No, he talked about diversity and construction. And how we need to get less white guys onto construction sites, and we need these to be more. Shut up! Will you shut up? I'm not even kidding. Have you ever been to a uh, a construction site in the last 50 years? If you knew anything about them, they are minority-majority. In just about every city in the country, Latinos, black workers, when you go to a construction site, it is not just white guy upon white guy upon white guy. But every time the Democrats try to establish or highlight their connection to minority communities, what they ultimately wind up revealing is that there isn't a connection to these minority communities. That's true. That, that is. is true. Remember when Jill, Jill Biden called bodegas? One of the greatest points of pride in the Latino community. People who migrated to this country legally and opened their own businesses. They're known as bodegas. Okay, she famously flew down to San Antonio, told them they were all unique as breakfast tacos or as the Bogodas. <laughs> the bogadas in the Bronx is what. She called them. Oh, shut up, woman. And she was trying to do what? Hey, we're connected to the Latinx community. That was embarrassing. There's no connection at all. And Mayor Pete was doing that yesterday. But the bigger lack of connection is between him and the requirements of this job. So you understand what happened with this train derailment is it's hauling hazardous chemicals. And what they ultimately wound up having to do there in eastern Ohio not very far from where we're broadcasting on Beaver County Radio, is more than a week after it happened, okay, this guy got on Twitter and ultimately addressed the situation. where all the way back on February 3rd. We had about 50 cars, 10 of which were carrying hazardous materials. They derail. We get this insane, fiery crash, okay, when this train was en route from Illinois to Pennsylvania. The chemical in question is called vinyl chloride, It was later released into the air from five of the cars before crews had to strategically ignite it to get rid of the highly flammable toxic chemicals in a controlled way. So it ultimately became a forced detonation that they decided for one reason or another was the safest way to rid the area of these chemicals. Now, you might wonder, hey, in this climate conscious world that we live in, you know, blowing up all of these chemicals doesn't sound like the most environmentally feasible solution. But is anybody in the climate crowd saying a word about it? The answer would be no. And that's the fraud of the whole thing. Okay, the only time anybody cares about climate change is when they can pass around the collection plate. Please give us money. In this instance, there's really no collection plate to pass around. If anything, there's more ineptitude from our transportation secretary, who has presided over failing airlines. We had a separate train derailment in the state of Texas. Okay, the roads are still a mess. And again, he's not going to talk about it because if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense.
3: Money, 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 money.
1: But he finally commented on it. He tweeted yesterday. And this is such a great tweet. You talk about a guy who's doing nothing. And this is why people hate politicians. Okay, Pete Buttigieg is your transportation secretary because he was willing to drop out of the 2020 presidential primaries and endorse Joe Biden. That was the deal. When Biden won the South Carolina primary, he was one win and four losses into the primary season, but we knew the establishment wanted to get behind him because he could be the nominee. They could run him. They'd have a traditional status quo politician in Washington. So they went out and they promised the younger wing of the Democratic Party that if they elected Biden and they threw their support behind him, they would get Bernie Sanders. And they were like, no, no, we, you know, Joe Biden, I understand he's run as a moderate his whole life. He was tough on crime. Joe Biden was actually against gay marriage. Do you remember that as a senator? I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act. We've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman and states must respect that.
2: Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going
1: on here? Now, understand, like younger Democrats had heard his prior positions on things like gay marriage or, you know, the 1994 crime bill. It's called the Biden crime bill. And they're like, I don't know. We can't. What do you mean? We're not throwing our support behind a guy who said all of these things. And they were like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. He's a traditional politician. He'll do whatever the hell we tell him to. And sure enough, he has as a president. Joe Biden's been an empty suit. He's not the president. It's embarrassing. This presidency is an iTunes user agreement. OK, they tell them to scroll to the bottom of the page and click. I agree. You know, when you're getting something new on your phone, like a new app or whatever, none of you just read the 91 pages of fine print. That's why China stole all your information on TikTok. <laughs> just scroll to the bottom. Click. I agree. That's the Biden presidency. Scroll to the bottom. Click. I agree. We'll kill the Keystone Energy Pipeline. Scroll to the bottom. Click. I agree. We'll rescind the border wall. That's what they've done. OK, and they understand they elected this empty vessel. And promptly had him appoint people to high profile positions for no other reason than one, they had endorsed him, and two, they checked the boxes of identity politics. That's stupid. Use your common sense. You have no idea how stupid it is. Mayor Pete Booty Judge in the town of South Bend, Indiana, had the nickname of Pothole Pete because of just how bad the local infrastructure was on his watch. So do you understand a guy who couldn't manage South Bend, Indiana is now tasked with managing the entire United States of America. That can't be good. It's horrible. We had a supply chain crisis ensue. He was out on maternity leave because him and his husband had adopted twins. Good on them. That's fine. Anybody committed to wanting to raise children in a loving, productive, nurturing environment, I support. Okay, but understand while we had a Supply chain crisis, backlogging all the ports on the west coast of this country. He was posting pictures of himself, pretend breastfeeding on Instagram.
0: That was absolutely dreadful.
1: You know, the whole adage, you know, you elect a clown, you get a circus. Well, take a look out at the state of this country right now. And what do you see everywhere you turn? <coughs> exactly. So yesterday, Pete Judge tweets 10 days after this derailment which they don't want to acknowledge because they don't want to bring attention to more ineptitude from a transportation secretary who has no business doing this job. He tweets, I continue to be concerned about the impact of the February 3rd train derailment. Stop lying to us. I mean, really think about it, because if he continues to be concerned wouldn't he he acknowledged it the first time? I think he's got a point. What do you mean you continue to be concerned if you've never before acknowledged it once? OK, you worded that strategically to create the appearance that you've been paying attention to this. That was legalese. That was an advisor crafting a political statement with an eye on managing his brand. This is politics as usual. That's all it is. Okay, but here's, the, here's the, full, the full statement. I continue to be concerned about the impacts of the February 3rd train derailment near East Palestine, Ohio, and the effects on families in the 10 days since their lives were up ended through no fault of their own. It's important that families have access to useful and accurate information. U.S. DOT has been supporting the investigation led by the National Transportation Safety Board. Our Federal Rail Administration and Pipelines and Hazardous Materials teams were on site within hours of the initial incident and continue to be actively engaged. We will look to these investigation results and based on them, use all relevant authorities to ensure accountability and continue to support safety.
4: This is total crap.
1: Dude, if you care about this, it was a mushroom cloud if you've seen it. If you care about this, you don't wait 10 days to weigh in. OK, there was pressure mounting because he was called out within his own party by members of the squad who, even to their credit, were like, oh, hell no. But do you understand yesterday when Pete Buttigieg spoke in Washington, D.C., did he have anything to say about this disaster. The answer would be no. No, I'll say it again. Here he is yesterday telling us the big concern is the race of construction workers. This is clip 27.
2: We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the g- good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood.
1: I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Are you, are you what? Has anyone walked past a construction site in the last 75 years? Okay, construction is as integrated as any profession in the United States of America. You might argue that nothing is more integrated. Maybe taxi driving where I came from, I was actually like legitimately known as the white guy. I was the only white guy in the the locker room. But the point is all of these fake diversity pledges, all of these straw man arguments are designed to do what? shield them from having to actually deliver progress to the people they purport to care about. You understand, if he says, well, from this day forward, we're highlighting diversity initiatives at construction sites. Okay, he already has the built-in deliverable. They're already diverse. So he can turn around in a month, two months, and go, ever since we started focusing, look at how diverse the job sites have become. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. That's exactly what's going on. They're just gaming the system, and people vote for them. Like, oh, well, you yeah, know, they, they increase diversity at construction sites. Um, did you ever pay attention to diversity of construction sites before? He said, no, well, but it's okay. I'm voting for him. No, they didn't. You know, when uh, my wife and I, got, we get out of bed. We, we were just saying yesterday, you know, there's not enough diversity at construction sites. Right, honey? You know, time was, you know, you could walk by a construction site. You want to get catcalled from every race. You just don't want to get catcalled by the white guys. You want to get whistled at by every race out there. What are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? This is insane. We have a train derailment that could wipe out the drinking water for 30 million people. And the guy in charge of cleaning it up is out there on TV lecturing us about the pretend diversity problem on construction sites.
5: We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They're not respecting our country the way they used to.
1: Let's listen to a senator from the great state of Ohio who serves this area. This is J.D. Vance on Tucker last night. It's clip 29.
2: We've had hundreds of train derailments after we spent over a trillion dollars on infrastructure in this country. So the fact that this isn't getting obviously better is a major indictment of the people spending the money and what they're spending the money on. Now, we know if you listen to Secretary Buttigieg today uh, that they are focused more on whether we have too many white men in construction jobs than he is on the fundamentals of his job, which is ensuring we have a viable transportation infrastructure in this country. And unfortunately, my constituents in East Palestine have been some of the main victims of the fact that we have failing infrastructure in our country. Again, after spending tons of money in an
1: effort to actually fix it. Think about that for a second. Pete Booty judges pathetic. Totally. And do you understand the people being failed by this leadership aren't even the consideration? Like, that's the part that's so insane about the whole thing is they don't even want to talk about it. You know when they're going to start talking about it? When 30 million people have lost clean drinking water and they start using too many plastic water bottles. At that point, you'll hear from this administration being like, well, the spike in plastic water bottle consumption is really harmful for the environment. But they don't care about the environment because if they did, they'd be focusing on this train crash. But they disregard it because there's been no way to raise money off it. OK, a month from now, when they figure out how to tie this to Ukraine and climate change. Yes. Then they'll pass the collection plate around. And anybody who hasn't been paying attention will throw the money in, just like always. Pay up, suckers.
0: Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. Now funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, maybe. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it.
1: All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics Total T. it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T. Testosterone Booster has Testofin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total Tea before you buy. There's nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231 231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of new genix thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's two three one two three one, and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Authorities are telling the residents of East Palestine, Ohio, that it is safe to return back to their homes now. But the residents are reporting dead fish, dead chicken, and all kinds of other weird activity related to the spill. What the hell is the world? I do not know, but here is a montage we cut of local residents speaking to the reality they now inhabit in East Palestine, Ohio. Clip 28.
4: So when we went back there, we felt um, very itchy eyes, swelling of the face, particularly around the eyes. Um, We were coughing. uh, Our eyes were watering. um, Our skin was very flaky and over the subsequent days, um, became very dry, uh, continued to flake. It was it was less than ideal, we can say that. I
1: truly feel like the evacuation order was lifted too early prematurely. Uh, you know, I advise people, you know, if you don't have to go back, yeah. I mean try to stay where you are.
2: As far as the smell, that's definitely present. I was I can't today where we are right now at my shop, this is the first time I've been here in a week, and I was here five minutes and I had a head I have a headache right now. And you can smell
1: it. Anyone who comes here who hasn't been here can smell it. And they're telling these people to go right back to their homes. That's not right. Part of the reason they do that in these situations is because they need the problem to go away. This administration presiding over as many catastrophes as they have when it comes to transportation. The last thing on earth they want to talk about is an entire community being forced out of their homes because we had a train derailment. OK, they don't want to talk about that if they can't raise money off of it, if we don't have some type of racist train track to point to. Like, for real, if we can get out of bed tomorrow and Pete Buttigieg's like, you know, the guy who built those train tracks was a racist. You'll hear about it every day. You know, if, oh, you know, these train spills are bad for the environment, that doesn't matter to the environmentalists because in this instance, you know, I don't want to tell you it's Mayor Pete's fault – but I do want to tell you, you know, you are what your record says you are. That's the old adage from Bill Parcells, the football coach. And Pete Booty Judge's record says he's presided over a record number of transportation disasters on our watch. That's true.
5: That is true.
1: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fala on a busy Tuesday. Roseanne Barr joining us on the show in the next hour. We're also going to be hanging out with South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who could be joining Nikki Haley sometime soon in the presidential race 2024. Governor Haley announcing her candidacy earlier this morning. We'll get to that with Tim Scott shortly, but right now I'm getting into some of your calls. David is out in San Francisco, California. Yo, David.
5: Oh, yeah. honey, Jimmy. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad you're talking about this Ohio incident. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, during the break there, I was just looking up uh, updates on it, and apparently they saw fiery axles 20 miles before the incident. Wow. And uh, I'm uh, a baby boomer, so I'm old enough to remember when they actually had cabooses on the Hmm. the end of a train. Yeah. But there's an old expression, big money will get you killed. Yep. And uh years ago, at least 30 years ago, it's probably before during Reagan maybe, uh the railroad companies were allowed to get rid of the caboose mm-hmm. and just put on a robot on the end of the train, mm-hmm. so they fired the uh a bunch of employees that used to ride on the back of the train, make sure nothing was on fire, and uh and sure enough, this has gone on just because big money'll get you killed. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, I heard you say uh, 30 million people are at risk uh, for their drinking water.
1: Well, they're saying if it gets into the Ohio River, the reach could go as high as 100 million people who interact with that body of water. So they haven't ascertained specifically that it's contaminated yet. But we do know where this happened and we do know that that is the consideration right now. And according to Mayor Pete. They've monitored 290 homes so far, which is not nothing, you know, for all intents and purposes. And, uh, you know, they're going to continue to monitor it now. But as you can see, when a guy doesn't acknowledge this until it's 10 days old, it's not a priority. And that's my bigger concern is that this is of no priority. I'm not saying they caused the disaster, but I am saying the disaster is of no political use to them yet. So they just don't care.
5: Well, you know, the one thing I was going to ask, I remember some years ago, down near Knoxville, Tennessee, there Mm -hmm. was a huge uh, dam that broke loose. It was a coal slurry dam. And it it wasn't bad enough that it was like coal dust, the junk that comes out of the smokestack. They had Mm -hmm. just dumped in the backyard and dumped in the backyard and dumped in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And they had overfilled this pond uh, by something like sevenfold. And this thing busted loose and got into the river, which eventually became uh, the the uh uh, not just at Tom Bigby, I'm trying to, uh, the Tennessee River. Okay. So uh, this thing was like a thousand times worse than the Exxon Valdez spill. Jeez. And But the state of Tennessee refused to declare it as a, 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 even a state emergency. Wow. And even though it was in the waterways of America, because the state of Tennessee refused to declare it an emergency, the federal government couldn't declare it an emergency. Oh, wow. And so I'm just wondering if this same thing, as the state of Ohio declared it an emergency, and then that allows the federal government to get involved.
1: Yeah, I don't know. i got to get to the bottom of this. But if the federal government can make some climate change money, I promise you they'll get involved. Well, <laughs> saving lives
5: Saving lives is the issue. Well, of
1: course, but that's you. You're a good human being. Uh, the federal government doesn't necessarily prioritize what you prioritize, but I do, and I appreciate the insights here, David. And anytime you got a Reagan reference to get off your chest, this is the show to do it, okay? Will do. Be well, my man. Have a great day. There he goes, the great David in San Francisco, California, who, yes, David's, you know, a guy like you and me who does want to share lives and prioritizes a greater good. In actual Washington, D.C., i got to tell you, just having spent a minimal amount of time around these people, they're not in the you and me business. They're in the, the them business. That's the bigger concern here. And nowhere is that more apparent than in this crazy weather balloon surveillance spy FBI, uh, UFO debacle that we're watching, where yesterday, again, this is so crazy. You know, you've got this horrific train crash chemical fire in East Palestine, Ohio, people evacuated from their homes, reports that 30 million could have their drinking water contaminated by the spill. Yet if you sit down right now and Google train wreck, every single story is about Joe Biden. Come on, man. What an abject disaster as a president. Okay, and I bring this up really quickly because we were Hammer and Pete Booty judge for being unqualified to do his job. Well, Corrine Jean-Pierre, your White House press secretary, they keep telling her when things get hot, they're like, you know what adults are talking. Why don't you go sit down, take it easy, do a little TikTok on your phone, maybe a little candy crush. We'll bring out John Kirby. He'll address the press. Yesterday, KJP came up, basically gave a quick hello, read a quick update, and then they just dragged her off the stage and let Kirby do the adult discuss- discussion discussion. Let me say that, and I can do it in English if you give me a minute.
0: Do you speak in English?
1: There it is. But let me give you some of these clips because while we all highlight the fact that Kareem Jean-Pierre gets the ball taken away from her in big situations, okay, and they bring out Kirby, and this becomes a media discussion. Is this wrong? Why are they doing that to the black woman? What is Kirby doing out there instead of KJP? The reason these conversations take place is because it's easier than the media reporting on the obvious, which is, why isn't the president out there actually having these conversations? Because he is nowhere to be found. I mean, and you think about the the message that sends to the world, man. Okay, we have a president who is considered a liability on a major issue. They don't want him talking to reporters. He might say something stupid. Like, think about that. That's what we're being led by right now. We have a president who's not allowed in a big situation. They give him pretend jobs. Have you ever moved or done something around the house and you had a toddler in the home and they're just getting in the way asking you questions? Mommy, 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 mommy. And you you just got to give them something to do. Hey, Lincoln, can you go check the washing machine to see if there's monsters in it? It's like, Oh, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going on a monster hunt. I'll go down. I'll, I'll report back in a minute. The kid just runs off. That's the president. OK, we've got a potential UFO situation in our skies. And they're like, hey, Joey, could you uh, go check the White House washer machine to see if there's monsters in it? And he's like,
3: you know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh,
1: and away they go. Okay, They take the ball out of his hands with the game on the line, and that's crazy. He's the president of the United States of America. Okay, Really think about that. He's not allowed to go speak for himself. He is not in charge. They don't want him anywhere near there. I mean, they're probably concerned that if they're really aliens, he's going to give them stimulus checks and tell them they're allowed to vote. But the reality is the rest of the world doesn't form an opinion based on what they tell you on MSNBC or CNN. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. No, they're not. The rest of the world are enemies. They form an opinion based on what they see and hear themselves. They know, well, the American media says Biden's in charge. He's sharp as a tack, so I guess we better not mess with him. No, they don't care what the American media says. They know it's propaganda. We know it's propaganda. Okay, they look at the president himself not being allowed to be his own man in key moments of national security. Okay, but the only thing they wanted you to know for certain yesterday is it wasn't aliens. I'm telling you, this is what Corrine Jean-Pierre was allowed to say yesterday. Clip seven.
4: There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew that, uh, and it was important for us to say that from here because we've been hearing a lot about it.
1: Okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. But John Kirby didn't think it was sufficiently out of the way. It's like, well, I know KJP said there was no aliens, but nobody takes her serious. So let me also tell you there's no aliens. Here it is, clip eight.
5: My understanding is that uh, the top officials of the Pentagon, when asked explicitly if uh, they were ruling out any kind of extraterrestrial presence, said they weren't ruling anything out. And yet at the beginning of today's briefing, albeit with her usual winning smile, uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre seemed to rule
0: out any extraterrestrial activity.
2: I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft period i don't think there's any more that needs to be said there
1: okay who the hell knows what it is but the concern is if you've been paying attention to this administration and how many things they've been wrong about if kjp says no aliens john kirby says no aliens you know what that means probably aliens i don't have that proof i don't know that but these are the same people who told you, like, you know, Kirby was one of them. No, the Afghan army's not going to fall. Well, you talk, come on, it's the fiercest fighting force in the world. We trained them, we gave them weapons. As he was giving that speech, the president of Afghanistan was packing up all the money he could get his hands on in a suitcase and boarding a boat to get the hell out of the country. And there was Kirby on TV, like Biden just the same. No, no, Afghanistan's got this. Don't worry about it. Okay. So when you hear Kirby say something isn't what it is. This could be a problem. Now, we're not there yet, but let me give you a little more. Here's KJP after Kirby's done with his briefing, assuring the world it's not aliens. He walks off. They set up KJP. She's not allowed to answer a single question. They're just like, go up and say goodnight. Here it is, clip nine. He's still struggling. All right.
4: guys we have to end the briefing um i gotta go into the oval but um i will see you tomorrow and thank you for the compliment on the smile i appreciate that Mm -hmm. but i'll be i'll be back tomorrow thanks everybody have a great
1: one so funny so what that is really quick in stand-up comedy if you're the mc okay you're the guy that goes on first cracks up the crowd talks to them while they're placing their drink orders they're getting seated you're going to bring on the feature act and then ultimately the headliner Okay, oftentimes at the end of the show, you know, if you're a really good MC, you dominated the room, you really forged a bond with these people and they had a great night, you'll go up after the headliner and do three or four more minutes of jokes while the room's getting its act together and leaving because you're a great ambassador to the club. They want you doing a little more time. It's a little something to send them home with. And uh, it's practical. It's entertaining on their way out the door. They like that. Okay, if you're a terrible MC that they know has no control of the room, they will say to you, when the headliner gets off stage, just bring him right down. Good night. Thanks for coming. Visit our website. Gotta go. Okay? If they're telling you to do time, it's because they think you're good. If they're telling you no time at all, it's because you're no good. You have no control of the room. So when Kirby finishes up yesterday, KJP, who brought him on stage as the MC, okay, is told not to go up there and answer a single question solitary question. Why? Because as an MC, she has no control of the room. Okay. And while we're talking about no control of the room, here's Pete Judge, who has no control of the Department of Transportation he's supposed to be presiding over, telling balloon jokes in his briefing. It's clip 10.
2: It's had its challenges. Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at what the American transportation systems have faced in the last two or three years, partly because of the pandemic, We've faced issues from container shipping to airline cancellations. Mm-hmm. Now we got balloons. That's right. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, now we've got balloons. Oh my, you know, it's embarrassing. You suck,
2: you jackass.
1: But again, you know, going for a laugh, I have nothing against that. I'm a pretty silly dude by nature. But what is Pete Booty Judge doing in that moment but woe is me? Victimhood is currency to these people. The fact that they suck at their jobs is like a, pr- a point of pride to them. Oh, you suck? No, no, I suck too. I'm, I'm bad at this. It's hard. and It's probably the patriarchy or like white supremacy or something like that. No, I'm telling you. No, that's great. I didn't realize you sucked. I never really watch you because I'm so busy sucking on my own. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is America! The team nobody, you know, nobody wants to play. That's who we're supposed to be. Okay? The high school football team that gets off the bus and their cleats hit the pavement in sync and the parents and the bleachers are like, oh, I don't know if we want to let our kids on the field with these boys. This looks like a problem. Now we're pulling up in a clown car. Making sure all the diversity boxes are checked and everybody has some self-deprecating remark about how bad they are at their job or why they're not allowed to address the press today. But thanks for saying something about my smile. It's embarrassing. Okay, and don't ever forget. Don't ever forget this. When Biden won the election, I've held on to this montage. When the networks formally declared Joe Biden as the winner of this election, what was the media narrative? Uttered by every single talking head in liberal media, the adults are back in the room. I'll play it for you. Anybody who has any um, connection to reality about what is going on around them should have watched that and said, the adults are back in the room. It, it seems as though we have a, uh, a professional adult once again in the White House who's just simply doing the work. Really, the, the theme, I would say, is the adults are back.
2: Still, it is a relief to have adults in charge
1: now we have adults in the white house okay the adults are back in the room um
4: there is a sense i think the world over that the adults have returned
1: we have an adult in the white house now and it's glorious (laughs) 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 that's what we were told and the whole country is a joke Okay, the transportation secretary is completely overset over. Said he has no idea what he's doing, but we have a White House press secretary on top of that, who's a comedy club MC, who's not even allowed to do time after the headliner. She's a White House press secretary that hands the ball off to somebody more qualified, and when the show's over, the only thing she's allowed to say to the departing crowd is "Good night." Get her out.
2: Get her out of here.
1: You're riding
0: around with America's
1: cabbie.
2: Taxi.
0: You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America.
1: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I was just listening to a commercial for Roseanne Barr's new stand-up special on Fox Nation. It's called Cancel This. We're going to have a live commercial right here in the studio at the top of the next hour. Tim Scott joining us. But Roseanne Barr is batting leadoff in the top of the next hour. When last you saw Roseanne, she was on ABC. She had the number one sitcom in America. She rattled off a tweet about Valerie Jarrett, and ABC was like, oh, hell no! People got mad on Twitter. The network didn't want a backlash. So they punted on Roseanne and continued the show without her. That's just how white folks will do you. Now, without even getting into the specifics of what she tweeted, and I'm sure she might when she's here in the next hour, the point I was going to make is Roseanne got canceled in another era where people hadn't quite made peace with the fact that the cancel mob, the outrage crew, it was always a tyranny of the minority, meaning most people could care less. Did they like what she tweeted? No, but they'd get on with their lives because here's a news flash. It's a tweet. Okay, you've got a life to live. You've got a world to inhabit. We were never supposed to be stopping everything on earth to give words that much power over our lives. We were actually raised to believe sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. That's how we were raised. But now it's the opposite. Now it's, you know, the sticks and the stones are fine. Just don't misgender anybody. Just make sure you use proper language when you're talking. So I'm not going to be picked on verbally. Oh, ow, you hit me with a rock. But back to the name calling, because I am not going to so ouch, that's a stick. But if you say the wrong thing, I mean, that's how dumb it's gotten. The left will tell you that speech is violence. Speech is violence! You're never going to get punched in the head and be like, wow, I'm glad that guy didn't call me a name instead. Never mind that the people telling you speech is violent don't want criminals behind bars think about that the speeches violence crowd is the same crowd that passed every one of these woke bail reforms and turned our streets lawless everything woke turns to
0: live from everywhere usa it's fox across america with jimmy phaila
1: Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy-top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America, and it is Valentine's Day. So we're going big, and we have brought in America's Sweetheart, batting leadoff here at the top of the hour. You can watch her new Fox Nation special, Cancel This. It is an hour of nonstop hilarity. I am talking about comedic legend. Roseanne Barr in the house. Hey, girl. Hey. Happy Valentine's Day to you. You
4: too. Thank you very much. Do
1: you like that I went with my overweight figure skater look?
4: I do. I love it. Well, it's very uh, Texas, you know. It is. I'm a Texan now. uh, And
1: I do love that about you. But you know what my problem is with wearing this shirt to Texas? What? They they see the shirt, but they hear my accent, and they think I'm in the Witness Protection Program. (laughs)
4: Well,
1: are you? I can't divulge (laughs) my sources, Roseanne.
4: Um, I I love that shirt. It's beautiful.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, I do sort of come off as a guy who was a gold medal figure skater but then gained too much weight during the lockdowns. And now I've gone into radio as like a spinoff. <laughs> but, but I appreciate your fashion support. And I will tell Gutfeld, I know you're going to be on Greg Gutfeld tonight. Yeah, I'm looking he, forward to he it. He and I are in an ongoing battle over fashion on the air. Like we fight it out in public. And uh-huh. I secretly think he's jealous because my shirts don't come in kid sizes. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you sort that out later. Uh, you are, of course, here to promote a phenomenal special. Um, I want to jump right in, though. As a comedian, Okay, because I was watching you when you did a young comedian special with Rodney D mm-hmm. back in the day. We're talking nineteen eighty six
4: Dang, man. in
1: Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. And you'll be happy to did know Did you that...
4: notice who else was on that show?
1: Let me think off the top of my head, because I've seen all of them. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Was it Dice or somebody who was Dice,
4: it? Sam Kennison yep. and Jerry Seinfeld. Insane. Uh-huh. It was a crazy, crazy uh night of comedy. And I, I apologize because there's a couple others on there who also became big careers, but can't remember them. No,
1: no, but it's outrageous because I'm watching you and you're the domestic goddess Mm -hmm. and, you know, just eating these people alive. But I don't think there was ever a world in 1986 where you or any of those comedy icons thought this job was going to be taken so seriously. Meaning it was going to be fun. We were going to laugh at people Mm -hmm. and everyone loved us. But did you ever think you'd live in a world where words were being treated as like hate crimes? Because that's ultimately what our art form kind of evolved into.
4: Yeah, I did because I started out uh – well, I started out uh, kind of as a, a political writer, okay. you know, a, a, at a woman's commune, a big feminist woman's commune. <laughs> can you believe it? In Denver, Colorado. And I, I kept trying to write uh, serious political stuff because mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just yeah. was v- very into that. Well, first I wrote po- poetry, and then that turned. Uh, the poetry always went bad and turned into political sh- <laughs> can i say swear words You're on Roseanne,
1: here? say what you want Well, it turned into political <laughs> and then that
4: turned funny so yeah. it always went wrong whatever i was doing <laughs> always went wrong and so yeah i always had a problem with the word mm-hmm. with the people coming after my words yeah because they were like this isn't supposed to be funny mm-hmm. this is supposed to be serious so that was the first thing yeah and then it's like this isn't political enough because it was either too left or too right mm-hmm. everything was always to something when yeah. i started comedy in denver they didn't used to let me get on stage there at the comedy store comedy shop it was first called and then mm-hmm. the comedy works because they're like people don't like your feminist humor that's what they said because <laughs> my first act was i just made fun of men comics so the first <laughs> time i went on stage i was like uh you know if you're if you you know uh-huh. I can't even go into it but they <laughs> said we don't we don't want you here so i had to go to like i went to punk bars and um and uh <clears throat> they're really what were gay bars jazz clubs um black clubs and everything who, and uh, you know i went in mosh pits to do my comedy <laughs> and all kind of things and i went to lesbian Mm -hmm. coffee houses in unitarian basements and they this is when it really pissed me off because those lesbians can they said could you say lover instead of husband so it's always about words and i said no no i can't say lover instead of husband Mm -hmm. are you gonna do to me what everybody else is doing to me then i won't come back here neither good for you but you know it ends up you can't play nowhere
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> but
4: you know, but then some comics came to Denver. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, yeah. Uh, oh my God, I'm blank on his name too. But a lot of big comics yeah, came yeah. to Denver, and they they saw me and um and uh, they told the uh, owners of the comedy club, "You got to put that girl on," as they called me. You got to put that girl on because she's funny. And Boom. they stuck up for me, so mm-hmm. they they brought me on. They let me come on the club, and then they had this contest. Uh, the Denver Laugh-Off, okay. and it was 15 guys and me, and I
1: won. Oh, that's amazing. Good for you. It
4: was amazing, and I won. And all the guys were cheering for me, too, by then, because uh, my my ending joke was, um, this is really dirty. Can I say it?
1: Yeah, why not? we got a delay. Don't worry about it.
4: Okay, well, my <laughs> final joke, which everyone in Hollywood stole from me, including uh-huh. Rihanna in her song, Cockiness, but my final joke was uh, people come up, they go, hey, Roseanne, you're not very feminine. I go, S- my d-. That was my <laughs> ending, closing joke. And all the guy comics were like, get him, get him. <laughs> so that's how I won was you basically on that ending joke. Through
1: the fastball. Roseanne Barr is in studio. The new special is called Cancel This. It is streaming on Fox Nation. One of the things I kind of want to highlight, because I think it's very often misunderstood about comedy. Okay, and I want your take on this. Okay. But as a comedian, when we're making fun of someone at a show, technically speaking- You mean a heckler? Yeah, No, I just mean in general. Like if you went off a a protected class of people, like for instance, at one point in your special, I know you get into pronouns and you have an iconic soundbite that's all over the internet right now about you saying your pronouns or kiss my ass or whatever it may be. The point is when we make fun of something like a protected class of people at a comedy show- we're treating them as equals. We're not sticking them off at the kitty table like some infantilized lesser than. Isn't it your opinion that when you make fun of somebody at a comedy club, it's a way of saying, hey, you're just like the rest of us. You can be a part of the joke.
4: Are you talking about the oligarchy? Yeah, is that well, what you're
1: talking about? I'm talking about any type of any – this is what we hear a lot of in comedy now. We, we'll always frequently be told like um, you know, you've got to be punching up at all times. You can't be punching down or uh-huh. anything in between. And I, truly I think comedy should just be funny. Mm-hmm. But I think let's say you were going after transgenderism. I don't think you're going after it to provoke a hate crime. I think you're going after it because it's a mainstream thing now mm-hmm. and it's a way of including them in our national dialogue, is it not?
4: Well, I don't think you should punch down either. Uh, you know, I don't think nobody should punch down because, you know, we should all be punching up as Fair. fiercely as we can because mm-hmm. that's where all the jokes are. Okay, yeah, no, and I'll those you are that. the people that are causing all our problems. We need to get rid of them. And mm-hmm. I've been, uh, you know, if there is any target whatsoever, they should be everybody's target because look what they're doing. To- they're trying to kill everybody. No, no, I
1: agree with that. The only problem I have with the comedy militia is all of our soldiers sleep till noon in a La Quinta.
4: <laughs> but, I mean, I think it, comedy is about laughing yes. power to scorn. That's what it is to me. That's what it always has been to me. It's not making fun of, you know, some yeah. poor person who has I mental agree health no, issues. I agree no, I agree with that. I agree with But I do have a great transgender uh, joke. Okay. I had a lot of them way before anybody was ever doing it uh-huh. because, you know, I actually have that in my childhood. I have mm-hmm. transgender issues from my childhood. I had a transgender childhood okay but, but you know i haven't talked about it yet and i will i had a couple jokes about it a few years ago i said you know i i felt like i was a boy trapped in a girl's body um i always felt i was a boy inside a girl's body because i always hated uh fair play and justice but uh uh-huh. but uh <laughs> but um <laughs> i did have that issue but uh-huh. um now my joke is my uh Advice to today's women. Uh-huh. Keep your penis in your pants. <laughs> there is no reason for you to pull your penis out in front of old women and young children. It's oh. just not ladylike, and well, it shouldn't be done.
1: Well, think of how far we've come as a country that when you started your closer as a woman was S-my-you-know-what, uh-huh. and now you have actual women— making that same declaration. The yeah. world, it's its never been a more ripe time for comedy.
4: It's never been a more ripe time for invasion from aliens, which I think, <laughs> is that what's happening? It no, seems
1: like it. I disagree. I think the aliens came, looked at us, and they were like, nah. They saw everybody staring at their phones and posting pictures of their dinner, and I no. think they got bored with no,
4: us. No, they go, you, "These people are nice and fattened up. This is going to make a good dinner." That's what I think.
1: Oh, Roseanne, the they, wa- they
4: want to eat us.
1: <laughs> We'd be good eating, by the way.
4: I think so. A lot I'm, of fat, especially in America. And
1: humans are gluten free, and you know the aliens. <laughs> the aliens are big. Are we keto? Because if we're keto, we got a big problem. You know, these yeah, are,
4: like, I think we could be. The, keto. These
1: aliens want to look good on Instagram. They don't want to be. You don't want to be the fat <laughs> alien. If you're gonna, you think about the pressure of being. the first alien who comes down here, you're going to be historic. You're going to be on every newscast. You want to be in shape, Roseanne. Uh, So what everybody needs to do is hit the gym. Uh, Once they get done watching, cancel this. It is streaming on Fox Nation. You can watch Roseanne tonight on Gutfeld. Uh, A career highlight for me. Thank you for this.
4: Hey, thank you, too.
1: I'm going to try not we'll to get a We'll say hi show.
4: to William and, I'll, I'll,
1: uh, you know, i oh, will we'll to dinner. I'll handle all those punks. Thanks, Roseanne. You're thank the best. Thank you. Back after this. The show, not afraid to call out both
0: sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, with Jimmy Fallon holding this country together on a big Tuesday. Joining us now in the huddle, a lot of people consider him the Emmett Smith of the Senate. I'm talking about South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy, how are you, man? I mean, the Emmett Smith of the Senate. Am I giving you a big head here? (laughs) That was uh, the highest compliment you can give a Dallas Cowboy fan, as you know. You you ain't kidding. Uh, I was buttering you up. You want to know why? Because Because, you have hard questions, yeah. Well, well, there's that. Um, I understand you were out in Arizona for the Super Bowl, so I just want to start with the most obvious question, which is, should we be glad that NORAD didn't shoot down Rihanna during the (laughs) halftime show?
3: Well... We should, number one. Uh, she was pretty high up there, and certainly, thankfully, the, uh, administration, the administration wasn't paying attention. So, the good news <laughs> is that, unlike most flying objects, she was
1: safe. Oh, that's crazy. Um, did you guys get briefed yet in the Senate on this? Do we know anything?
3: We, we did. I would just simply say that uh, what we know is that the administration should be sharing more information, not less information, about the challenges that we face or the lack thereof. The one thing that the American people have a hard time stomaching is so little information or a slow drip of information over a long period of time. This is a really Over two weeks old now, and we have so little information that makes it very difficult for the American people to have trust and confidence in this administration.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. We're talking to South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Um, Do you think on some level we're demonstrating some type of weakness or, I don't know, maybe message mismanagement by not putting the president out in front of this to speak to it?
3: I do believe that the country is better off, and frankly, the world is better off by having a, a more positive, powerful, authoritative leader standing up and giving us clarity and not having spokes folks go out there and say what they're going to say based on written statements. I think we would hope that the President of the United States would want to speak on this important topic as this is the first time we've had this kind of occurrences in our, in our airspace. So his lack of speaking is says volumes.
1: I think the And I think the world has the same takeaway. And, you know, it's funny because, like, we talk a lot in sports metaphors. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you've heard a quarterback described as a game manager, meaning they right. don't, you know, they don't want him to make big plays. They just want him to not turn the ball over and limit his touches. I mean, would you say we have a game manager as a president and that they're minimizing, you know, his role in the offense?
3: Well, I, I would not perhaps give him the credit of being called a game manager because <laughs> I think <laughs> someone else is doing that part as well. But I will say this, that... In every instance we've seen recently, the president of the United States seems to have a weak posture on a global stage, and that only emboldens our adversaries. And our competitors. If we want to have different results, we have to have a different posture on the global stage. The world stage is a big one, mm-hmm. and it requires strong, powerful leadership from the President of the United States. And we're not getting that now. And frankly, we haven't had that since he went into office.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And there are a lot of people trying to change that posture for this country. I got out of bed this morning to news that a South Carolina politician had entered the presidential race. I thought, surely it's my first guest on the show today. Uh, but it sounds like it was former Governor Nikki Haley. Uh, but there's a lot of rumors. But the question I want to ask you is because I know you haven't, you know, you're a savvy enough guy. You're not just going to spit it out on my show. But have you given any thought to what your nickname would be if you entered the race <laughs> and
3: Trump was tweeting about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not great, Scott. So I, I was... <laughs>
1: Well, at least I know what your own nickname is for yourself. I love it.
3: I saw that in one of the news articles. And and (laughs) I would say that the great Scott is my mother who did a fabulous job raising two sons. And to her, happy Valentine's Day. But more importantly to the American people, we, we, we are craving leadership. And I mean from upon high and we get great leadership from the Father in heaven, but we need strong presidential leadership and the lack of the presidential leadership has led to the highest inflation in 40 years, gas prices that are disturbing and challenging. And frankly, for single mothers like the one I just mentioned who raised me, a 40% increase in gas, a 20% increase in electricity and a 20% increase in the cost of food is a disaster, a crisis. And for our seniors sitting there on fixed incomes, trying to figure out how to make their ends meet. This is a travesty. We deserve better.
1: That's a great point. We're talking to South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. It's funny because, like, think of egg prices. We got inflation numbers today. Eggs are up 70%. Do you remember those old, like, engagement commercials where the girl would say he went to Jared? Okay, yes. eggs are so yes. expensive now, it's like he went to Whole Foods. Uh, uh, it's, and, and Jimmy, to your point, I saw an article last week that said that eggs in
3: California are not surprisingly higher than the the national average. Of course, it's California, $10 oh for 12. God. I figured it was for 22, but it was just for 12. <laughs> yes, it, that's crazy. $10 for eggs. And think about in, in, in New York, it was 70% increase for lettuce. Yeah, I'm thinking about people who work hard every single day, barely making the checks meet. Here's their quandary. Do I keep the electricity on? Do I heat my home? Do I have gas in the car? Do I have a little extra love in the in the lunchbox for my kids?
1: Yep. These are
3: hard decisions for everyday Americans who today understand the failure of the administration like they haven't in a very long time.
1: No, I would agree with that. That's why the only other point I would make is when you see things in the condition that they are, okay, because we're also hearing, you know, the IRS is going to start working on tip compliance for waiters and yes. waitresses. Yes. These are the people getting hit the hardest. Can you imagine now the IRS is knocking on your door after a double shift at Denny's? Well, one of the things I said, Jimmy, is that the IRS says that they won't target anybody under $400,000 a year. Can
3: you please show me a taking making $400,000 a year in tips? <laughs> I, I really want to know where she's working, by the way, or where he's working. It, it just doesn't happen. Truth of the matter is the CBO and the Joint Economic Committee came to the same conclusion that – $20 billion or more will come from people making less than $200,000 a year. Said differently, every single one of us should be afraid of the IRS, and we are. No one gets giddy when they see the letters IRS <laughs> in their mailbox. They just no. don't get giddy. No. And even Kansas City fans are pretty unhappy about the IRS today. So the truth of the matter is that we need solutions for the American people, and it's not a bunch of that will be eliminated by the president having fee control, income control, price control. Mm -hmm. It sounds more like socialism than free markets and capitalism that led to the lowest level of poverty, frankly, in the history of our country just a few years ago.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, But be careful because you could be running against the guy who pushed those policies in a few months if my instincts serve me correct, Senator Scott.
3: Well, there's no doubt what we should worry about is the mission, not the position. I think titles are, are wonderful. The matter is that I was blessed by conservatives who had a mission of restoring hope in the hardest-hit parts of South Carolina, and I was one of the beneficiaries of the Chick-fil-A story and the Chick-fil-A model. Love I that. want to share that everywhere
1: I go. All right, Listen. Pro answers, Tim Scott. You you lived up to your Emmett Smith billing all the way. Uh, for a minute there, I, th- I thought you were going to take a Michael Irvin turn, but you kept it legit. Good job. Uh, well, God bless you. And we should have caught that ball when
3: the Green Bay Packers played the Cowboys a <laughs> couple years ago. It was not a catch. We should have won that game. Period.
1: <laughs> He's not taking it. I'll see you soon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and if we've learned anything so far in this hour, it's that Tim Scott is running for president. I agree with that. Oh, a 5,000 trillion million percent. I asked him two different ways, and he gave me two brazen non-answers. He was talking about Trump lifting people out of poverty. I go, be careful. You might have to run against the guy who espoused those policies in a few months. And he said, Jimmy, it's not the it's not the position. It's the mission. This is politics as usual. (laughs) Oh, is it ever. Good job, Tim Scott. Uh, I asked him what Donald Trump's name for him would be if, in fact, he ran for president because, you know, there'll be a nickname coming. Tim Scott, to his credit, joked that it won't be great, Scott, which I would agree with as well. But make no mistake about it. He's raised a ton of money. He's going to run. And when you hear a polished non-answer like that, listen, if you're not running, you say you're not running. Okay, if you are running, you know what you say? Are you ready for it? You say nothing. Bingo. That's the point. He's running. So Nikki Haley got into the race a few hours ago. Uh, She dropped a video announcing her run for president. Let me play it for you really quick, just to get you up to speed. It's clip 13.
4: Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border and strengthen our country, our pride and our purpose. I'm Nikki Haley and I'm running for president.
1: You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That was President Trump firing back. It wasn't actually President Trump that was a drop. We're being silly, but it's worth pointing out that Nikki Haley had at one point claimed that she wasn't going to run if Donald Trump got into the race. Now the reason this happened, just which we're all up to speed on where this where we are, okay, is Nikki Haley in the immediate aftermath of January sixth was like, All right, the Republican Party's got to cut ties with this guy, he's a mess. And she read the room wrong because the blowback was so severe she had to then kind of recalibrate her stance and say, well, I wouldn't run against Trump if he's running. I'm not going to run. I just meant were he not to run, I would wind up running is what she tried to say. But the internal calculation she's made since then, it's the internal calculation a lot of people have made since then, including the Tim Scotts and the Ron DeSantis of the world, is that Trump's grip on the nomination It's just not, it's not what it was uh, a year and a half ago. This guy will say anything. No, I'm not disparaging Trump. I'm just telling you that, you know, they say overnight is a lifetime in politics. Well, we are now more than nearly 700 overnights from the last time he was president. And it didn't end on the best terms. And a lot of the big money is going to other parts of the party. Tim Scott has raised over $100 million, I believe. DeSantis has raised a few hundred million dollars. I don't know how much money Nikki Haley has raised, but the points she makes are valid points in that the Republican Party has lost the popular vote seven out of the last eight times. Now, to be clear, the Republican Party is more popular than the Democratic Party if you were to measure this by geography, meaning they win a lot more states when you look at the electoral map. But because of the heavy concentration of population in New York and California, the Democrats always win the popular vote. Certainly in the last decade, they have. Unfortunately, the ideas that win the Democrats the popular vote are also the ideas that have turned these liberal cities like New York, you know, and San Francisco and Los Angeles into giant outdoor restrooms. Okay, the brilliance of the Electoral College is that you won't let one heavily concentrated population dictate its values to the rest of the country. The founding fathers were brilliant in establishing this because it kept places like New York and San Francisco from destroying the quality of life everywhere else in America. And make no mistake about it, New York is disgusting. San Francisco is disgusting right now. And what do they both have in common? They're run by liberals bingo man bingo but so when Nikki Haley says "Though we got to win the popular vote that's not nothing because yes we don't want the values of New York and California but you do want a candidate with the ability to siphon votes from places like New York and California okay Trump doesn't have that ability can he win the presidency without it absolutely he already did it once and if you ask him he did it twice but the the appeal Nikki Haley is reaching out to is the suburban women. It's the people that are a little more moderate, the people who think Trump brings too much baggage to the table. So she's in the race. OK, after saying she wouldn't, here was the initial clip. This is clip 14.
4: He still has a lot of popularity. If he runs again in 2024, will you support him? Yes. If he decides that he's going to run, would that preclude any sort of run that you would possibly make yourself? I would not run as President Trump ran.
1: Oh, I would not run if President Trump ran.
2: Get her out. Get her out of here.
1: The truth is a lot's changed since then. And there is a massive appetite within party leadership to move on from Trump. I'm not saying she's going to win. I'm just saying nothing would surprise me. Okay, when you talk about the people who have influence in the party, when you talk about people whose opinions I respect, John Kennedy of Louisiana is as high up on that list as anybody. Here's his take on Nikki Haley. It's clip 16.
2: I don't know, Governor Haley. I've met her. I think she's going to have to to do a little more than just say, I'm young. Um, I I think competition makes all of us better. I think you'll see other people get in the race. But they need to talk straight up to the American people. uh, Tell them what they believe. Don't lie. Uh, If they've changed their mind on something, explain why they've changed their mind. But more important, tell us what they would propose in their first uh, 100 days or one year in office. And don't just complain.
1: It's reasonable. Okay, go out there, fight the fight, make your case. It's hardly, she has no business being in the race, but at the same time, it's also not Trump's our guy. Okay, here's Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota, another Republican refusing to answer if he would take a side between Haley and Trump. Here it is clip 17. Former governors can do a great job as president. Ronald Reagan was a former governor. I think Nikki is very, very capable as well.
0: Would you support Nikki Haley over former President Trump?
2: Well, I would just simply say that I think we're going to have other people entering the race as well. I'm looking forward to Tim Scott also taking a look at it. I'm hoping that he will also announce. I think there will be a number of individuals that the American public will be able to choose from.
1: Yep. That's what's about to happen, just so we understand. And that's why he didn't answer the question. He won't pick a side between Haley and Trump because he knows this field is about to get a hell of a whole lot more crowded. When you're right, you're right. and You're right. Tim Scott, just so you understand, if you just heard the interview, he's running. I asked him two different ways if he was running. I said, well, I woke up to news that a politician from South Carolina had gotten into the race. Surely I thought it was my first guest today. And he said, ha, 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 the American people, inflation, egg prices, the border. Fine. Then I asked him a second time. Hey, you're praising Trump policies. Be careful. You got to run against them. Does that mean you're running? Oh, Jimmy, it's the mission, not the position. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f-ing question. I've been telling every single one of you all the way back to January of 2021. I said every Republican. Every Republican that says they're not running if Trump is running, they're all going to run. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Okay, they're all going to run. The reason they weren't announcing it then, the reason a lot of them aren't announcing it now, because the minute you say you're running, the campaign begins. The campaign begins, it means... The money begins. you got to spend money now. you got to blow through your war, your war chest now, not to mention you've got to take a lot of incoming fire from the guy who thinks it's his nomination. I'm talking about Donald Trump. You announce you're running right now as Tim Scott. The next thing you get, there's a slob. There's a real slob. I mean, I'm not kidding. You announce you're running right now as Ron DeSantis. This guy will say anything. Seriously. And same thing's happening to Nikki Haley. She's like, I'm running. I'm in. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. And you know who knows that better than anybody? Ron DeSantis. Here's DeSantis being asked minutes ago whether or not he's going to run. Clip 26.
2: Presidential run today. Do you plan on following suit? (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hey, so do you plan on announcing whether or not you're going to run? What does the Santa say? Wouldn't you like to know with his goofy laugh? (laughs) 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 What a dumb, goofy laugh. And that's fine. I got a dumb, goofy laugh, so don't think I'm disparaging it. The point is, he's running. Okay, there's no two. Oh, he's absolute. Tim Scott, they're both running. He knows
0: what he's talking about.
1: A million percent. I don't doubt other people might run, Mike Pompeo might run. This this is the thing. Everyone focuses on Trump because he's the standard bearer. And in the storyline, in the romance of the presidency, everybody feels so burnt in the balls by the 2020 election because it's really hard to look in the mirror and tell yourself Joe Biden got more votes than anybody in the history of this nation including Barack Obama. Tell him like it is. Okay, it's really hard to look at a guy who quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. It's really hard to look at a guy who's not allowed to go out and speak to the American people about Chinese spy balloons that could ultimately even be UFOs. They don't even give the guy the respect. He doesn't have the control over the position to go out there and lead this country in a time of crisis. They go, oh, it's a crisis We better keep the president under wraps. That's not how presidenting works. Traditionally, there's a crisis. You're the face of everything good and bad in this nation. We got to get you out there at the podium. Do you remember when the COVID briefings were happening and Trump led the briefings every day before he turned it over to the medical people? You could say he threw a lot of wild pitches. Because he certainly did when he was alluding to, like, I don't know, we'll shoot sunlight into your veins.
0: Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and miss.
1: And again, he's just hypothesizing Trump never, ever, ever told anyone to drink bleach. But they reported it as if he did. The media is a bunch of losers. Totally. But whether you like the guy, you hate the guy. It was real leadership. He didn't read the room. His job was to lead the room. He got into the crowd. He got up to the podium and said what he wanted to say, regardless of how it was going to be portrayed in the press. And to be honest, he didn't do himself any favors because they're always going to distort his words and make them worse than they were. But the point was nobody was going to tell Trump what he did and didn't do. He was a boss. Okay, Joe Biden is not a boss. Okay, he's not even wearing Hugo Boss. He's not even allowed to watch Boss Baby with Alec Baldwin. He's doing nothing. It is a figurehead position. He is an empty suit. It is an iTunes user agreement. So it's bigger than the romance of, you know, the Republican Party wants Trump to win again, be a Grover Cleveland, serve two nonconcurrent terms. I know that's the allure to every one of his voters who feel like when he lost, they lost. And in a lot of ways, they did. OK, Trump didn't lose the 2020 election. America lost the 2020 election. Okay, every one of the problems we're staring down right now didn't exist when Trump was in office. You can hate Trump with all the fiber in your being, all the, everything you got, okay? You could be one of those people, Upper East Side elites, Upper West Side elites, who hate Trump so you don't have to look inward at the things you hate about yourself. And then when you're done yelling and screaming on an MSNBC, you go home to your $9,300 a month studio apartment, stick your head in the bathtub and scream. Ah! But even if you're that person who hates Trump that much, ask yourself honest questions. Did we have inflation at a 40-year high when Trump was president? The answer would be no. Did we break all-time records for illegal migrant crossings at our southern border? The answer would be no. Break an all-time high in fentanyl deaths? The answer would be no. Did we relinquish our energy independence? The answer would be no. Was the Taliban sitting on $85 billion with our weapons now in control of the Afghan government? The answer would be no. Were we sending all of our money over to Ukraine because Putin had invaded and given us the middle finger? The answer would be no. No. I mean, and I could go on for days and weeks. The murder rate's also at a 35-year high, which isn't nothing. So you understand Trump was exponentially better than Biden. But that's part of the reason so many people want to run against him. It's not about beating Trump. It's about beating Biden. Okay, Republicans who have aspirations to higher office don't look at Trump. OK, they look at Biden. Go, hey, if I could somehow get by Trump, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a steel cage match. I'm going to get bit and headbutt. I'm going to get punched in the nuts. I mean, it's going to be a royal rumble.
0: I'll break you in half like a little
1: toothpick. No question about it. But if they can climb out of that steel cage alive and get their hands on that Republican nomination. They know they're running against an empty suit in the White House who, heaven forbid, bows out, he's got an empty suit behind him. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. So the point is Tim Scott is running. Ron DeSantis is running. Mike Pompeo is probably running. I might run for the hell of it. I'm kidding. There's no chance I will. But the point is the Republican Party is going to do this the old-fashioned way. It is not Trump's nomination to lose. He's going to have to earn it harder this time than he did last time. Because last time, as hot and as funny and as great as the campaign was and as refreshing as it was, he was the Rodney Dangerfield of politics. We got a normal person. I don't want to say normal, but in terms of politics, we got an outsider into the country club. And he started reading these people their truth, these elites that had outsourced our jobs, that had sold us out to China. That had trampled a lot of our freedoms, that had mismanaged the government historically over the last four decades, they created Trump. It was not you, it was not me. It was their ineptitude at the tippy top of our government that created an appetite for such an outsider. Okay? But this time around, having governed once, he's left behind a lot of baggage. But the reason you can't count them out is because it's either him or The Alternative. And we've just watched two years of The Alternative, and we all know the answer.
2: We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing.
1: It's the show that never hits the books. I
3: love the poorly
2: educated.
0: You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Introducing Ask Trump, the advice seminar from a man who's an expert on everything. Nobody knows the politicians better than I do. I know more about
2: ISIS than the generals. Nobody knows more about campaign finance. Nobody knows much more about technology. Nobody
1: knows more about environmental impact statements. I understand
2: you. the tax laws better than almost anyone.
1: You'll take your questions on everything from baseball deals... Nobody knows more about trade than me. ...to children's gifts. Nobody has better toys than I do. Ask Trump can improve your vocabulary. I
2: know words. I have the best words.
1: Audiences enjoy it so much it feels like a religious experience. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Ask Trump is so successful the critics are going nuclear. There's
2: nobody that understands
1: the horror of nuclear better than me. Ask Trump, the fastest-growing advice seminar in the country. Because nobody's ever had crowds like Trump has had. (laughs) It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And let me tell you, Trump's about to start giving out advice, whether you ask him or not. Nikki Haley now in the race. The hot rumor is Tim Scott could be getting in any second now. DeSantis right around the corner. We're about to have a good old fashioned food fight in the Republican Party. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at three o'clock. I love it. I absolutely I think it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm so excited to cover it. It's going to be a mess. But you want to know something? Whoever comes out on top will be the next president. The Democrats have nothing. They Like, there's actually talk about dusting off the people's pantsuit and letting Hillary Clinton get back out on the campaign trail and start pandering to minorities again.
4: Hats us. Really? Yes.
1: Do you remember that? <laughs> she told the Breakfast Club she carried... Hot sauce in her purse, thinking it would endear her to the black vote, which is one of the reasons she lost.
2: She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a
4: moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind.
0: Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
1: Oh, girl. Here we go. Here we go. Fired up for a plus-sized hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Brian Brenberg is coming by. He is the host of the Big Money Show right here on the Fox Business Network. And he is going to be reacting to the latest inflation numbers, which tell us that... Biden sucks. It's a mess. Inflation up 6.4% year over year. For the month of January, it was up one percent of a percentage point, so 0.5%, which was higher than expected. Okay, it's not at the rate it was three months ago, but it's still crushing people who live on fixed incomes. It's still crushing low income earners. That being said, the president and the White House put out a press release today congratulating themselves on the work. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. This is why people, okay, hate politicians. Oh, good gosh. It's no different than what do you think about this a week ago, a week ago, it was last Tuesday was the State of the Union address. I don't remember that ever happening, but it did last Tuesday during the State of the Union address. What did Biden say? He congratulated himself on lowering inflation. Not even close. Okay, inflation is up six and a half percent year over year. The Consumer Price Index rose 0.5% in January. So is that lowering inflation? It's so crazy. And they call this victory. Like, I'm telling you, this is why people hate politicians. It's crazy. It's, a, it's so shameless. Like, we're living in the death of shame. Okay? But let me give you some of this. Consumer Price Index rose 0.5% in January. Labor Department released Consumer Price Index report for January, the CPI rising 0.5%, which translates to an annual gain of 6.4%, excluding volatile food and energy, you know, the things you spend the most money on. The core CPI increased 0.4% monthly and 5.6% from a year ago. But do you understand you're running a family or even you're a single person, okay? Whatever the case may be, can you exclude food and energy? The answer would be no. So, inflation, okay, does not, I don't want to hear numbers that exclude food and energy because they're what you're paying for. But of course, when Biden reacted to the report, he highlighted the fact that inflation has been decreasing for seven straight months, you know, if you eliminate food and energy.
0: It's people with a dirty mind that think like that.
1: Here's the statement Inflation in America is continuing to come down, which is good news for families and businesses across the country. Today's data confirm that annual inflation has fallen for seven straight months. Now, he's right to say we're not at a career high. Okay, he is right to say that. But he is wrong to say, completely wrong to say. This is some type of a victory for the American people. Okay, the American people, on average, are paying six and a half percent more for things than they were when he got into office. You got to do better than that. And if you remember when he was asked a week ago, hey, do you take any responsibility for inflation? He goes, no. No, because it was here when I got here. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Okay, you know what inflation was when he got here? Point eight percent. Point eight. That means even right now as we speak, he's driven it up six and a half percent, meaning Joe Biden. You can't handle the truth. He's just such a liar, man. Okay, and then he compounded it by saying Republicans are threatening to raise costs for seniors by threatening to cut Medicare and Social Security and other critical programs that seniors and families count on. No Republican proposal on the table eliminates Social Security. He or Medicare. He got booed for saying so at the State of the Union. They heckled him, straight up heckled him because he was lying and misrepresenting their position on eliminating Social Security, on eliminating, okay, things like Medicare. That was Biden trying to score points with seniors by saying, oh, no, you know, the Republicans. What they're going to do, they going to eliminate your Social Security. Would
0: you shut up?
1: Not going to do it. And that's why they heckled him. But you understand, like, the reason people hate politicians, the reason there was such an appetite for Trump the first time around, and you might get a second time around, is because Washington, it's so transparent. In the sense that, you know, they're not transparent about what they're shooting out of the sky. They're not going to let the president get out there and give you a speech. Okay, they can't risk him turning the ball over. They asked Joe Biden about aliens. He's going to start talking about Sigourney Weaver. She was a great actress. I really liked her. You guys are my best friends. Like, wait, what? This is the president? What is he doing? This is crazy. But the point being is they're transparent in that their maneuvers are so obvious. And they're so shameless. The whole do one, you know, say one thing, do another. They passed a bill called the Inflation Reduction Act which is going to increase inflation in the short term. What a fraud! The Congressional Budget Office found that it won't, at any point, lower inflation in the long term. But it will ultimately add more money to the debt at a time when we're $31 trillion in office. That is financial lunacy. Okay, you understand, though. They passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Why? Because their priorities weren't yours. You thought inflation reduction was a priority? So that's how they got over on you. Well, well, you want to lower inflation. We'll pass an Inflation Reduction Act. And we were like, woo. But then you come to find out the minute it passes, what? Oh, well, the Inflation Reduction Act was the greatest climate change bill we've ever seen. Meaning it wasn't an Inflation Reduction Act. It was a Trojan horse designed to get more climate change onto the books.
4: Thanks, big government weenuses.
1: I got it. We'll hide it inside Inflation Reduction. Nobody wants climate change on their own. Nobody cares. But if we hide it inside inflation reduction, that's how we'll get over on it. That's what they did. This happened with COVID relief. The American Rescue Plan. Wow, COVID. And, uh, you know, we'll say COVID and then we'll pass an infrastructure bill that has nothing to do with infrastructure. Okay, they just blew a trillion dollars on trains. They're all flying off the tracks right now. And what is our transportation secretary doing? He's, you know, making sure we don't have any racist highways because that should be the priority. If this administration had a soundtrack, that was it. And it's why people, honestly, they can't take Washington. Because what happens in Washington is people want to be in power. That's what they want to do. They want to be in power. And so they're not necessarily focusing on solving problems. Because a lot of these issues, a lot of these grievances are a lot easier and beneficial to run on than they are to solve. I'll give you a really great example of how the swamp really did fail Trump. OK, the Republicans ran against Obamacare for eight years. we got to repeal and replace Obamacare. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. Day one, we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And Trump also said the same thing. I'm going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And Trump got into office and said, yeah, all right, let's repeal and replace Obamacare. And every one of those D.C. dirtbags who had run for eight years on repeal and replace Obamacare, guess what the problem was? None of them had a bill or a plan written up. That's just how white
0: folks will do you.
1: Think about that. They all ran for office. Eight years. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. So Trump's first domestic priority was to repeal and replace Obamacare, and they didn't have a plan. And then it failed because John McCain, famously, was the deciding vote, and got a little revenge on Trump for putting him down on the campaign trail. Fine, that's his vote to cast; he can do what he wants with it. If the people of Arizona were happy with how the senator raised, you know, represented him in that moment, as is his right. But the point is, they could have written up a plan that was so good that people would have looked bad voting against it. Instead, they just piggybacked at the polls off of the fact that people didn't like Obamacare or the promises that he made. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Well, in some instances, I am doing better because I wasn't given PolitiFact's lie of the year for saying, If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. Period. That was the lie of the year. A lot of people weren't able to keep their doctor. So you understand it was beneficial politically to Republicans to run against Obamacare. But they'd rather run on an issue than solve the issue, which is why they never bothered to put a plan in place. Which brings me to the Democrats. All the things the Democrats want to run on don't come with a plan. Because if you fix the problem, if you eliminate the hardship, then the concern becomes that these people won't vote for you again. The greatest argument against welfare, it's the greatest argument against government handouts is that it's holding people down so they continue to vote for the handout. But do you understand if you teach people self-reliance, personal responsibility, and you get them to a place where they're contributing to their own well-being, then minority families start building generational wealth. They buy houses. They acquire tangible assets that can be passed down from generation to generation. They create credit, they create leverage, they hold assets, they make money. Okay, what the government is trying to get people to do is live off that teat that gives you just enough money every night to be broke, So you keep voting for it and you learn that implied helplessness by being surrounded by it everywhere you turn and your government subsidized life. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. And understand what they're doing right now in this moment. Well, inflation's bad. Climate change is bad. The Republicans are bad. So we need more government dependency. Whenever they're giving something away, one, it's not free because other people are paying the bill for it, but two, the people who are in fact getting it free wind up paying for it in the long run because you erode their self-reliance. You make them more dependent. You make the problem persist because people will vote for the grievance. You solve the grievance, you have nothing to run on. Why do you think they're yelling racist? Listen, we're eight years removed from electing a black president twice, And they're telling you with a straight face that we're a systemically racist country. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. No question. Like that must be the, honestly, like Lincoln recorded that during the pandemic when he was like a little more politically astute. He was probably like 10 years old. That's one of the funniest observations I've ever heard anyone say, let alone a 10-year-old kid at the time. That's what, that is the cudgel. Vote for me or you're a racist you know, get behind this program of your student loan forgiveness. You don't support it. You're a racist. Climate change. Come on. Racist. Climate reparations. You're a racist. They tell you that about actual reparations. Even though you weren't alive, you didn't benefit from slavery. Nobody alive today suffered from slavery. We're still going to pay reparations. That's at least what they're trying to tell you out in California, because if they can make that the argument, we can argue over that instead of how the leadership has failed minorities, just the same as they failed everybody else. Okay, D.C. is a mess right now, and they're not pursuing your interests. A good example is Ukraine. Mike's out in Carson City, Nevada. He's paying attention. Yo, Mike! Hey, Jimmy. My man. I got a question to add to the store of coming up in the debates
5: soon.
1: Oh, um, your, your signal's a little choppy. Just reset. Say that again. I, I
3: got a question real quick. Do
5: you think that Trump would would have stopped Putin from going into Ukraine?
1: like hear you have to say, maybe the audience too. Well, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question. You, uh, if you can't hear me, I heard you perfectly. I don't know that the audience did, but you can always ha- you can hang up and listen. Uh, if Donald Trump was the president, Vladimir Putin would not invade Ukraine. Okay, and every single person who says, "Oh, Trump was Putin's puppet," even Bill Maher asked the question. He said, "Hey, whoa." If Trump is Putin's puppet, why did he invade when Trump was in office? I think he's got a point. Because people on the world stage, they do recognize strength. The term peace through strength, it's very fundamental. Peace through strength. You use your force, you use your military might as a deterrent, so you don't have to use it at all. Okay, you really think about it. If you're the fiercest fighting force in the world... 99 times out of 100, people aren't going to want to pick a fight with you because they realize it doesn't end good for them. Okay, peace through strength. You project that strength on the world stage. They really did believe Trump was a big problem. Okay, you don't want to start a fight with this guy. This guy is serious. Joe Biden lets Chinese balloons fly over our nuclear facilities, make their way across the country before finally getting shot down over water realizes how weak he looks on the world stage. Now they're just shooting down everything. I was going to send Jenny balloons for Valentine's Day. They're gone. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Maybe so. But the dumbest guy of all is the one paying attention right now who still thinks Joe Biden has any idea what he's doing.
0: What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right you're listening to the most addictive show on the radio this is crack rock cocaine it isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff this is fox across america with jimmy Fallon.
1: It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fela. It's Valentine's Day. You know what that means in the Fela house? Absolutely nothing. We uh, <laughs> we're married 16 years. We can go home and have dinner. I'm going to be on the Ingram angle later. But me and Jenny are very low-key, like, gift givers. Very, you know, we have a kid. Uh, Lincoln does okay. Uh, but we don't actually, believe it or not, we're not, like, we're not crazy. We're married, like, 16 years. with Flowers? I'll probably get her a Tinder account. Give me a night off. I work I'm all over the place. Come on, I'm exhausted. I'll be on uh, Martha McCallum today at 3.50 Eastern Standard Time if you want to see me on your TV with Martha. And then tonight I will be on the Ingram Angle at 10 o'clock. And, of course, we're taking this party on the road this weekend. We're going to Fat Cat's Comedy Club up in Utica, New York. All five of those shows are sold out, but you're welcome to come by and Meet your radio buddy. Have a drink at the bar if that's how you roll. And then in March, I'm back on the road. I'm going out west. I'm going to be in the Federal Way Performance Art and Events Center in Federal Way, Washington. That is March the 3rd. March the 4th, I'm at the Crest Theater in Sacramento, California. Hey, girl. And then in April, I will be at the Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon. And then at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. And then we're back on the East Coast, April 21st and 22nd at Bananas in Bergen, New Jersey. From there on out, I'm going to be adding some dates. Kennedy and I are going on a tour called the Laughs and Liberty Tour featuring Kennedy, your superstar Fox business host, the woman who gave me my start on this channel, uh, and myself. We're going to be on the road touring a bunch of cities and states across the country, having a good time, yucking it up with some of our Fox pals, and we'll announce those dates together on this show, Uh, maybe this week, maybe early next week, so everybody's dealt in on the fun and you can come hang out. Because the one thing I would tell you, and I say this a lot, but I'm actually right now, right now, like I'm, I'm very proud of our audience. Like the people who show up to my shows are hilarious. They're cool. They're not like politically militant a-holes that want to get in a fight. Uh, they don't care. They're there to laugh at life. They're there to have fun with the world. And uh, I'm proud that we've cultivated this type of crowd, and I hope that we can continue uh, that kind of feel-good vibe. I don't ever want to be the show that's like storming the Capitol. I mean, first of all, I'm not in the kind of shape to get up that many steps. But I want us to be the show of, you know, just cool people having a good time. And one of the reasons I don't have to worry about my audience storming the Capitol is my audience isn't predominantly feds. (laughs) Most of what stormed the Capitol was a lot of people looking around having a good time. And uh, let's be honest, a lot of people that were there on the payroll. That is correct. All right, I'm getting crazy and conspiratorial now. I should probably take a commercial break. But when I come back... Brian Brenberg, host of the Big Money Show. He will restore order right here on the big, bad, one and only Fox Across America. Holy hell. Forgive this next guest if he's a little giddy. But he did have me on his television program yesterday and woke up to news that he is still employed.
2: I'm I'm still trying to recover from that one. I took a lot of stretching, uh, (laughs) you know, ibuprofen and and, uh, counseling. I got a lot of good counseling on that one. (laughs) Brian Brenberg.
1: Brian Brenberg is here. He is the co-host, the quarterback of The Big Money Show, a show that will never be the same. Uh, now that Big Game James was on. I we are be- saying
2: it's never going to be on air,
1: but it's just it's never going to be the same now. <laughs> ah. Downgraded a little bit. Good to see you. It was nice to talk football, and we did get the squeeze of, like, 30 seconds of X's and O's. Yeah. This is a lot of pop culture, but you know what? It's funny. When it comes to the Super Bowl, it is mostly about the external things. No, it is. It's like it's like going to a Major League Baseball game now. Yeah. you know, you, you, <laughs> like
2: so It's like, just music constantly and, like, some race of peanuts
1: and... <laughs> <laughs> you know eucalyptus spray or whatever on the big screen yeah do you know it's so funny you make that point the first time I was at the new Yankee stadium. Um, first of all, there was a fruit stand. I'm like, this is a baseball game. What? Nobody's coming to baseball for fruit. Not to throw it. I mean, yeah, you man. throw a lot of it. that. You just, that <laughs> man. the point of it. Yeah. But no, there was a place where you could get a suit made. It was like a new Yankee suit. I'm like, this, this is not a baseball game. Oh, what are you talking about? No. I want a beer and a fist fight. That's, it's Yankee Stadium. Yeah, what are we you, doing here? you get the fist fight still for sure. but yeah. yeah. Uh, you got to know where to sit. Uh, is, <laughs> different it, world now. It's
2: a it's a different. Have you been bowling lately? Have you gone to a bowling alley lately? Why, on they, this point, is,
1: are they laser lighting it like it's the final scene of Kingpin? I mean, Kingpin? do you remember
2: bowling like 30 years ago? It uh-huh. was cigarette smoke and the crashing of pins. Yeah, yeah. You can't even hear that crashing anymore. You certainly can't smell the cigarette smoke. No, oh, no chance. It's just it, it's it's like going to a baseball game without any baseball.
1: Bowling's the least important part of the experience.
2: It, it, there's, bowling is incidental to the. <laughs> <laughs> to the multimedia experience it's like why a bowling alley for this
1: <laughs> it is true though because i've gone bowling with lincoln now and they've got all the graphics package you know you're entering your names on a jumbotron yeah, yeah, yeah but- they've they've basically what they've done to every recreational activity now is they're like they get you off your phone by letting you do your phone stuff on their device They just
2: make the phone bigger yeah they take it out of your hand that's all they do everything in life is just a bigger phone if you're paying for something else it's just a bigger phone you go back to your small phone and you get the big phone
1: it's all we got now Brian Brenberg is here. Well, I will tell you, me and Lincoln did just watch Kingpin in preparation for our trip to Reno. (laughs) And that was still good old school bowling. They did nothing other than bowl and watch Bill Murray's hair flail into different formations. (laughs) Wouldn't you argue, as I have, that Kingpin is the best Bill Murray? I think it is. Bigger and McCracken? Wow. Well, Bill Murray, I mean, for me, it— comes back to
2: Ghostbusters, which Fair. we watched the other day as a family. The kids absolutely
1: loved it. So There's great. so
2: much. There are just so many good little jokes in and, that movie.
1: Well, let me ask you this because it it's it's a seminal film in the Fela house. As a kid, did you have a Ghostbusters T-shirt?
2: A good question. No, but I was telling the kids I watched the Ghostbusters cartoon mm-hmm. every morning. You remember the yeah, cartoon of that they yeah, made? They varied yeah, yeah. they, they things a little bit, but I was like every day. I, I started my day with Cocoa Puffs and Ghostbusters cartoon, which of course is you know a guaranteed recipe for success in America. <laughs> Cocoa Puffs and Ghostbusters. cartoon. Some of the
1: biggest moments of my childhood involved that Ghostbusters T-shirt because it was my big game T-shirt. Oh yeah, like I busted it out for everything. The one with the ghost and like the no smoking sign. Yeah, of course. I had it, and I had a Ghostbusters two T-shirt. I can remember the smell of it like it was a, a second ago that I got it. I loved it so much. And uh, when that Ghostbusters cartoon was on, oddly enough. It spawned a really insane moment in my childhood. We had a store called Child World. Okay. Which, by the way, sounds like a website. It would be illegal You're now. getting a lot of trouble for going to. It sounds like a website on <laughs> a laptop you should not be caught in possession of. But you know how we had uh, Toys R Us had Jeffrey the Giraffe? Yeah. Childhood had a mascot called Peter Panda. And Peter the Panda was their mascot, and it was a regional toy store, like a KB Toys or something like that. So anyway, a childhood world, when we had gotten to the age where we probably didn't belong in a toy store, we were now going in there as, like, teenagers and, like, shooting bow and arrows at us and stuff like that. And uh, we had gotten escorted off the premises by a child world manager who decided we were a little bit of a menace. Again,
2: not a job title that you want to
1: have in life. Don't (laughs) put that one on your resume. I run child world, (laughs) your honor. (laughs) What are you doing to me? No further questions. (laughs) This guy's out of here. Lock him up. (laughs) But uh, Stephen Florio, my good buddy, who's out at Purdue University, out in Indiana, uh, Stephen Florio famously came running down the aisle as we were getting escorted out, and I was assuring the manager that nothing had gone on. I don't know yeah. what he had heard, but neither myself or my friends were doing anything unhinged. And we turned a corner and got doused in ectoplasm yes. by Stephen Florio. <laughs> he literally had turned a corner and thrown green slime at us or whatever the hell that was. And the yes. manager was like, nothing's
2: going really, on. Fellas? Uh? Really? Really, <laughs> really, fellas? Nothing? By the way, I, Rick Moranis to oh, me yeah. is just a difference maker. In that. Just a small <laughs> – but, but, but uh, what's the name of his character? It's um, – not it, Venkman. It, 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 uh, no, it's no, – it's, yeah. it's, oh, he's so great, though. He's just got the little lines, you know. He plays that character
1: perfectly. Rick Moranis, a legend also. We'll come up with that by the end Little. Sh- Louis Tully. Louis Tully. Yeah, you can't get it by Josh. The accountant, Louis, <laughs> Lewis Tully. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Brenberg is in studio for some hard-hitting journalism. Yeah. We're talking about the cast of Ghostbusters. Well, listen, there's a ghost in the machine as it pertains to the economy. There's your adult segue. Fair Inflation fair. P- up 0.5% in January. I'm old enough to remember a week ago tonight... We were being told that the inflation dragon had been slayed oh, and Biden had it under control. Back. Are you going to tell me this administration is misleading the American people? Are you prepared <laughs> to make that statement? I mean, the
2: president has been so accurate on all of his economic calls that it would be hard to believe that. No, look, this is this is kind of an ominous one. I, I thought it would come in a little – the expectation was 6.2%. Okay. I thought it would come in a little bit hot because we're seeing some signs in categories, energy is one of them, used car prices, and eh, it's sort of ticking up again. 6.4, year-over-year number, that's a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. Here's why it matters, because the question has been, does this inflation stick? You know, yeah. It's down from 9, but mm-hmm. does it stick at a high level and this is the kind of report where you look at it and you say, yeah, it looks pretty sticky.
1: It's kind of around. It's $10 egg time. It's, you
2: know, like if you've been, again, if you've been at the grocery store, you know it hasn't come down much, uh-huh. right, that rate. But, but this is one of those reports that ought to give the president a little bit of pause, maybe on the victory laps, which yeah. I, I think he took a victory lap today. Or he's he taken one. Yeah. I, you know, you might want to pause the victory lap, but he won't, of course, because. Uh, it's
1: such a weird confidence scheme. Because the the reason I say this is because they're constantly claiming victory in areas where people tangibly know the real score. Yeah. You know, when they were telling people the economy was good or like inflation wasn't a crisis like a year ago – people they don't say to themselves well i guess i'm doing okay
2: yeah if, if you know if the uh, import export bank balances were mm-hmm. a little off but you said otherwise not a lot yeah. of people would know
1: that but if you tell people eh, inflation's not that bad dude every you could say whatever you want as a government official but if there's more people selling pictures of their feet on only fans <laughs> this year than last year it's not because the economy is going well that's true that is true <laughs> Brian Brenberg is in studio getting the real analysis. Yeah, that's right. Because I take it, I give it to you from the streets, Brenberg. No, no. That's why you're, you're on business television doing respectable work. Uh, pictures of feet on OnlyFans. You know, you know yeah. who I am at Fox News to you? <laughs> I'll give it to you. Because you're a first class business guy surrounded by brilliant women. So do you remember George Steinbrenner had his gambling buddy that he paid <laughs> to get dirt on Dave Winfield? Howard Spira. I am the Howard Spear of your of your ascendancy of what, your. What did he
2: call Dave Winfield? Mister April. Mister Mr. May. May.
1: Because Reggie, so if you guys are listening, you don't know the story. Reggie Jackson was famously dubbed Mr. October for his heroics in the World Series. Well, Steinbrenner went out and signed Dave Winfield to what was then the highest paying contract of all time. And uh, Winfield had a pretty forgettable playoff that year. In the strike-shortened season, they played the Dodgers in the World Series. He went one for 22. And Steinbrenner began referring to him as Mr. May.
2: <laughs> Ouch! It hurts! <laughs> I just love that story. Dave Winfield drafted in all three pro major pro sports. You He was a basketball, football,
1: baseball. He was a monster. We've talked about that. I know we've talked about my brother, Mike's favorite player. He's from your hood. Yeah. Minneapolis. St. Paul Central High School. Wow. And they had no dominant. Dave Winfield was as good as anybody. Um, But what was interesting about Steinbrenner is he had a way uh, of expressing his disappointment with big acquisitions. He famously called Hideki Arabu (laughs) a fat toad. I've never heard the phrase before. I've never heard it again. It's got to be the only time in baseball history someone was referred to as a fat toad. But you want to know something, Brenberg? These guys would go out and perform
2: afterwards. No, yeah. you, You feared that probably more than getting your you know, your yeah. pay
1: cut, right? Because you want to know what the, the thing is, man? Nowadays, the audience is pretty fragmented. Like, we're all watching 7,000 different TV sure. shows on Netflix and Hulu and Paramount and everything in between. Back then, the back page of the newspaper was the only social media in the world. Right. People read it and reacted to it to everybody they knew. It's like you think of The Tonight Show. When Johnny Carson was winning Late Night, he had 40 million viewers. That's unbelievable. Godfeld wins now on a night we'll have 2.4 million viewers. That's how fragmented the yeah, audience is. Crazy. So, back then, if you 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 got called a fat toad on the back of the news. That was it. That's all we had going that day. (laughs) The top story, the middle story, and the bottom
2: story. You know, maybe a little story about Reagan, and then it was uh, (laughs) who got called an animal today.
1: (laughs) So what I'm saying is I think it almost benefits this president, and they know that the audience is as fragmented as it is. So they just try to win the news cycle in their own little niche. So I think when they're saying things like, you know, inflation's down, we're doing good – I know they don't know that. They don't believe that. Yeah. But I think they're feeding their followers their marching orders.
2: The problem is that the fragmentation's kind of all coming together cuz you got yeah. the inflation thing. And then you got this awful uh, catastrophe in Ohio. Yep. And then you've got all the balloons. And so, like, when, when all the fragments are kind of pointing back to the same thing, you got a problem. You can't yeah. play the fragmentation strategy anymore.
1: Uh, it ain't working.
2: No, it ain't working. That's great... it's all, the puzzle's coming together again, <laughs> and it's not a picture that you intended to paint for
1: anybody. There's a great line in Casino where, uh, you know, Robert De Niro's doing the voiceover, and he's talking about how Joe Pesci as a hitman is getting sloppy. And he goes, you know, eventually Nicky wasn't getting him down with one punch anymore. And they show, you know, Pesci's having to fight the guy for like an hour and a half, (laughs) and he's not the takedown artist he used to be. And so what you're saying is eventually, like, fragmentation wasn't getting him down with one punch anymore. (laughs) They're not buying it, Brian.
2: They're pulling out, like, baseball bats at this point and (laughs) swinging and missing. That's the problem.
1: Oh, it's ugly. Well, speak to a few quick things. Given the condition of the country, we're just recklessly speculating because we have nothing to go on here. But I think one of the reasons the Republican race is about to get as crowded as it is is not because, like, they think it would be easy to beat Trump. I don't think anybody believes that. But I do think knowing this could be a 12-man battle royal, everybody wants to fight whoever the Democratic nominee is. Like, I think they just want a piece of that, you know, like a paper champion. You know, do you kind of read it that way?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're sort of thinking, I don't know what my chances are in the— preliminary round here but if somehow i can sneak out of that i'm a guaranteed victor that's the point yes
1: you're a one again you're a 16 seed taking on a one no but if you can be in the dance this is the
2: year to be in the dance because everybody else in every other bracket stinks my bracket's tough (laughs) but if i can somehow get out of it (laughs) you can
1: win the southeast you got a real shot this year. going to the
2: Southeast? You got a real shot. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going be fascinating to see how big this pool gets, actually. Yep. Well, Is it going to be 17? Is it going to stop somewhere short? Of, and then how fast does it thin out? Yeah. That's the real X factor
1: here. Well, well I think what a lot of guys are strategically doing right now is obviously no one wants to commit because the minute you commit, you start spending money. Yeah, you know. So Tim Scott, South Carolina senator, who's revered on the program, he's great. He's the one who started the Rocky debate. So for that alone, you know, his oh. contribution to this show, he's worth his weight and gold. All fame. Yes, but he uh did say to me a moment ago, you know. So does this mean you're running against Trump too? And he, What did he say to me? It's not the mission. It's not the position. It's the mission, which is such a carefully curated soundbite. Senator Scott, if you're listening, and I know you are, well played, my <laughs> friend. They're trying to run as much clock as they can. Nobody wants to get in before June because it's expensive. No, you got to – yeah,
2: you, you, you're you trying to sneak in through the back door right now. Yeah, you that, get some back door coverage. You're not paying for that. But when you walk in the front door, the first thing they say is, Let's have your wallet, please.
1: (laughs) You know, Adventures of Babysitting, nobody leaves without singing the blues. (laughs) You got to get out and sing the blues. So I think what Nikki Haley's trying to do strategically, just talking sports, is get in when it isn't as crowded and try to maybe boost her relevance by having Trump pick a fight with her, Mm -hmm. at which point she can clap back and maybe curry some favor. But I don't think anyone's covering anything yet. I just don't think we're there. I I think there's almost like this collective exhaustion – and I don't think we're quite ready to dive in.
2: The thing is, the smartest candidate in this race is going to pick Jimmy Fallon for campaign manager, and no, <laughs>
1: nobody nobody gets that. But you can't beat him. Did you see what that was, by the way, Josh? That was an end around to get me off the channel. <laughs> he tried to put out a flyer to get me off of the channel. And do you have any idea how
2: good I'd be on radio from noon to three? I mean,
1: <laughs> Fred to, you Bert. know, I'm just saying, totally unrelated. You could simulcast your TV show. Kill Me does that from time to time. You've got it all mapped
2: out. Is that what it is? If you wanted to hear five minutes of content over three hours, that would be the Brian Brenberg
1: radio show. <laughs> <A lot laughs> Stretch of re- it
2: out. A lot, of repurposing. a lot of water in that soup. That's all I'm saying. A
1: lot of re- You know what's funny? Things I didn't know as a kid. Um, when I was driving a cab, I used to listen to Imus. And it was really funny because in the third hour of the show, I'd be like, wow, he told that joke in the first hour. <laughs> and I didn't realize they were repurposing one hour of the show. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Do you remember? We just figured that out. Yeah, do you remember in Three Amigos when the guy finds out Nettie Niederlander isn't really a quick draw? (laughs) This whole time it was just trick photography. That's what inspired me to want to take on the world in a draw. I was like, they're not as fast as I was told. Wait a minute here. And that's what I am. Uh, am, You're the El Guapo of radio. There's no question about that. (laughs) I'm the fourth amigo, and I am not happy about it. Guys, the the Big Money Show is on Fox Business every day at 1 p.m. I consider it a must-watch. There will be a quiz this Friday. Uh, Brenberg, way to go. Thanks, man. Back after this.
0: Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Thaler.
1: It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Banner day on the show. Tim Scott was on. A lot of people believe he could be the next president of the United States of America. Wrong. Well, he was great nonetheless. Roseanne Barr was also on. If you missed it, you can listen to the full interview at foxacrossamerica.com. The video will also be streaming on foxnews.com shortly as we have sent it their way. Of course, if you need some additional You can see me on with Martha McCallum exactly one hour from right now. I will be on at 3.50 Eastern Standard Time on the Fox News Channel with Martha. And then tonight, I am on the Ingram Angle. Seven hours from that, uh, Laura and I will be closing your Valentine's Day in style. So check me out on The Ingram Angle. Check me out with Martha. And if you missed me on Fox & Friends this morning, I posted clips on the com. Uh, there's also my appearance on Fox & Friends from this morning with the great Katie Pavlich. Got a lot of chances to see your radio buddy on the telly, and you'll certainly feel better about your own fashion choices if you do. Uh, but it is Valentine's Day, and what I will tell you as your radio valentine is in my family, it's really weird. Jenny and I aren't big, like, gift-giving lunatics. Like, we'll cook food and hang out with the link man. Uh, But I'm doing a segment on Martha after this about how inflation is crushing people this Valentine's Day. You know, it's only crushing you if you choose to partake in the ridiculous ritual of buying the overpriced flowers or the overpriced candy or anything in between. You can go do something creative instead, and they'll probably like it. You know, fun is anywhere you find it. I can tell you this is a cab driver who spent most of his uh, adult life broke. Uh, There's a lot of good times to be had that don't cost you a red cent. Mikey, pass the champagne? I'm kidding. But the point is, no, there's a lot of fun out there to be had. Uh, And do not let all this inflation talk beat you down Uh, because it is a mess. Uh, I don't believe it's going away anytime sooner. Uh, But your ability to go have fun in spite of the ineptitude leading this country Uh, remains unchallenged. We're all in the fun business. If you die tomorrow, you're just going to wish you had a better time today. So go out and have that fun whatever way you have to. That is the lesson. The show is over. Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a